New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, hear surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are twenty dollars, just a dollar sixty-seven a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. I just got off work. Today I worked seven a.m. to one p.m. Around ten forty-five, a man walks in. I've had previous odd encounters with this man such as seeing him walk behind me around my neighborhood and him hanging out near my street. I had brushed those off since I lived right next to where I work and figured he lived there also, but always kept an eye on him. Anyway, the man comes in and orders his usual pastry. I work at a bakery and tells me I'm going to stay inside and eat my pastry. For anyone who doesn't know, my county is currently under lockdown because of the coronavirus and all dining indoors is strictly prohibited. Not to mention my bakery is tiny, and there have never been many tables to sit inside, only a coffee bar that has never had space to sit. I tell him, we're on lockdown, you can't really eat inside. His response chills me. Are you alone here? Yes. I respond stupidly but quickly try to catch myself, but my co-worker will be here soon. A complete lie. It's only about 11 a.m. and my co-worker isn't scheduled till 1 p.m. when I'm off. Then no one will see me in here, he responds, and goes back to eating his pastry at the coffee counter. I roll my eyes back and go back to work, not getting paid enough to care if he quickly eats his pastry and leaves. Ten minutes pass, then fifteen. This guy is still in my bakery. I look over and he's finished his pastry and has moved closer to the open space in the counter, meant for employees to walk back and forth between the front of the store and to the employees-only side. Now I'm starting to get uncomfortable. I quickly text my co-worker, a 30-year-old man who owns lots of guns and treats me like his little sister. 911. I look over again, and now the man is even closer and is now reading a book. He's putting the book in front of his face and peeking at me from above it. Watch me. Multiple customers come in during his stay. Every time I turn my back to him, he gets closer and closer and closer, until eventually he is halfway in our employee-only area. I begin frantically texting my co-worker. He tells me he's four minutes away. I finally make the decision to text my boyfriend. I had avoided doing so to keep from scaring him, but now I was terrified. I sat in the back of the employee area watching this guy. I held a knife just in case he decided to come any closer. Just as he takes a step closer, my co-worker busts through the door. A confrontation ensues, and the man leaves the shop, but continues to sit in his parked car, right out front and stares at me. I tell my co-worker about the previous experiences I've had with him, and he's had enough. He marches out to the guy's car and tells him the next time he comes around, it will be his last. My boyfriend pulls up at this point and joins in with the warnings. So Matthew, a.k.a. my stalker, let's not meet again. So for about three or four years, from the age of about 15, I worked in a small shop in a town about 10 miles from where I live. 
I guess because the town, although small, is the hippie area. I live in a rural part of the UK. Because the shop is small enough to only need one person working, I experienced a few slightly strange characters. This girl, Lily, was one of our regulars. She was quiet, sweet, and non-threatening, and used to come in and just lurk around for a while and talk to whoever was working. I think she may have had some slight learning or communication difficulties, though I don't want to be presumptuous. Anyway, Lily soon took a real shining to me and would come in and ask my boss for my schedule, or where I was and when I would be coming in, and would come in every time I was working just to talk to me. She didn't seem to notice I was beginning to be a bit blunt, as she was kind of putting off customers, and I was busy as the only person working. I guess because she was a girl, and although probably five years older than me, much smaller, I didn't find it at all creepy, even when she started asking very personal questions like where I lived, what bus I got, and at what time. She would sometimes come in and say that she had seen me, or watched me, and describe what I had been doing. For example, I saw you yesterday looking at shoes in Oxfam at the top of the street. I'm fairly conspicuous looking, and it's a, quite a small town, so again, this wasn't that strange. Anyway, as this went on, I would often kind of ignore her and serve other customers, and she would just stand and stare at me, or look around the shop, usually staying at least half an hour, often longer. One day, we've just started opening Sundays and the shop is dead. I see her walk past outside and she spots me and comes in. We're the only two in shop, and she starts making me quite uncomfortable, and then she suddenly grabs her right arm and asks if I'm controlling it, and if I can see it's shaking and out of control like an animal. She is very obviously shaking it herself. This goes on, and gets more extreme, and I'm getting quite uncomfortable. So, I say I have to pack orders and go out to the stockroom. She follows me, and waits outside the door, which again doesn't seem that strange, until she starts to speak, quietly. She speaks for a while, before I catch what she's saying. She's asking questions to herself, and, in a more high-pitched, childish-sounding voice, replying, and I realize after the conversation goes on that the high-pitched voice is supposed to be me, and I'm replying to things about myself to her, and the conversation goes on and on between Lily and me, and she knows a lot about me. Some of it things I'd said over the past few months. Some of it things she must have just noticed from really watching me. Or following me. I finally freak out a bit, and text my boss to call the shop, so I can act like I have to lock up and run errands. I got out quite quickly, and found it skin-crawlingly strange. But not really threatening. Don't work or live there anymore but it's one of a few strange encounters I've had there. I guess because only young girls were employed, and it was very quiet. It was kind of inevitable. My colleagues had equally strange, if not worse, experiences. In the summer of 2018, I was in a long-distance relationship. Not that long. He only lived about four hours away. That was pretty serious, but also pretty new at the time. 
My boyfriend, who had driven those four hours to see me on every break we had from school, essentially begged me to come visit him at his grandmother's house. I didn't have a car at the time, but I really wanted to impress him and show my dedication to the relationship by going to visit him. So, I dropped some coin on a Greyhound bus and was excited to meet up with him. At first, everything seemed fine. I took a seat at the back of the bus because I really didn't want to speak to anyone, but the bus was pretty full, so inevitably, this guy sat down next to me. No red flags, just seemed like a regular guy in maybe his late 20s or early 30s, so I put my earbuds in and just ignored him. Before I continue, I'd like to highlight some character flaws of mine at the time that this happened, when I was 18. I was an extremely non-judgmental person and tended to see the best in people, even to a fault. This tends to land me in very bad and sometimes dangerous situations. At 18, I simply didn't know any better and kind of overlooked potentially concerning actions. There was a guy in the seat in front of us who would not stop talking to no one in particular, but he was facing a girl in the next set of seats across from him. Again, I didn't want to judge. Maybe he had some type of mental problem he couldn't help, and he wasn't doing any harm. So I ignored him too, and continued to stare out the window listening to music. That is, until he turned around and stared at me. Now, I might have been naive, but I'm not stupid. A chill ran through my spine as I made eye contact with this man. He had these cold, callous eyes, and his skin lacked so much saturation it looked like he'd been covered in dust. I take out my earbuds, and he immediately turns to the guy next to me, and they engage in conversation. I was really set on edge when I overheard them discussing how they were both ex-convicts that recently got out of prison. Remember me being non-judgmental? I figured maybe they'd served prison time for something that was minor, given their access to a public bus. I'm not sure how all of that works, Obviously, they don't do background checks for a Greyhound bus, but still, I tried not to think anything of it. The man in front of us turns to me now, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but he called me baby, which kind of freaked me out, but I couldn't say I wasn't used to it. I figured it was just another grown creep hitting on me. Annoyed, I put my earbuds back in and ignored him until the bus stopped at a rest stop. Most people got off, including the guy next to me, leaving just me and the guy in front of me in the back of the bus. He asked if I would come up and sit next to him to make friendly conversation, and my dumbass actually did it. Keep in mind that I was 18 and unfathomably stupid, and I also lacked the gut feeling that something was wrong. He starts telling me that he just got out of prison and hasn't seen a woman in a long time. I said something along the lines of, that's unfortunate, and inched away from him. He scooted over to me so that our legs were touching, and that's when my heart rate really started to pick up. The next thing I know, his hands are on me. He wrapped them around my waist and went on about how small I was, then commented about how it had been so long since he last touched a woman. I was paralyzed. I had no idea what to do. He kept going on about how I should be a model while continuing to grope me. Again, I was absolutely terrified and couldn't bring myself to move. Soon enough, everyone got back on the bus, including the guy who sat next to me, 
who shot the other man a weird look that prompted him to let me go. I scrambled out of the seat and still sat behind him, not knowing what to do, but feeling safer that other people were on the bus. It didn't bother me again after that, so I just prayed it would stay that way. It gets worse. The bus stops at another rest stop and this time I get off, not wanting to be stuck in that vehicle again. I'm just chilling, as much as one can be chill after something like that, when a girl I recognized from the bus came up to me. She said, Hey, that guy that was talking to you just left in a car, but is circling the building. He keeps leaving and then coming back. I'm sorry I didn't say anything earlier. I thanked her for the warning, put a hoodie on in 85 degree weather, and flipped up the hood so he wouldn't see me get back on the bus. Luckily, I never saw him again. I was too embarrassed to tell anyone what happened, due to my lack of competence and general understanding of how the world can be. When I met up with my boyfriend, I gave him very vague details, and wanting to forget it ever happened. But now, I don't think that's possible. This happened in 2015 when I was 16, and still living in my hometown a forgotten little beach town in the middle of nowhere that's so remote it's probably not even known by surrounding areas. Basically, there's three things you can do there as a teenager. Go to the movies, swim, or go to this pathetic little place called Miller's Fun Park. It's relatively similar to a lot of fun park type things, only a whole lot worse. There's a crappy arcade with broken skee-ball machines, batting cages that probably haven't been used since the early 80s, a pathetic mini-golf course, and the most dangerous go-karts you've probably ever seen in your life. Seriously. Miller's Fun Park is on the edge of a field. On the opposite side of the field, about three miles down, is the beach, and across the single street are woods. If our town is in the middle of nowhere, Miller's is practically on the moon. Anyway, getting into the story, my cousin Emma and I decided one summer night that we wanted to go go-karting. It was around 10 p.m., so we knew it'd be almost deserted. But that was the way that we liked it. I picked her up from her house and we made the long drive down. Once we had arrived and parked in the nearly empty lot, we hopped out of the car and paid for some go-karting tickets. The same people had worked there forever, I swear to God. There was no one there except for a few boys in the arcade, and a guy who looked to be in his 60s sitting on a bench near the batting cages. Emma and I paid him no mind, and went to the go-kart track. Like I said, these carts were incredibly dangerous, so I was focused on nothing, but making sure I wasn't going to skid and flip as we raced way too fast around the windy track. This is why I didn't notice the guy walking over to the fence, and why I didn't notice him watching us until we pulled into the lanes after our last lap. He was standing on the other side of the fence, right where I parked. He stared at me, with the most unsettling expression, a creepy smile playing on his cracked lips as his dark eyes gleamed. I managed an uneasy smile back, handed another ticket to the guy running the go-karts, who was obviously higher than a kite, and Emma and I went off again. This time I couldn't focus. The dude gave me the worst type of feeling. 
My eyes were constantly finding their way back to the metal fence where he stood, unmoving and watching us every time we were in his view. And the thing that was bothering me the most was we had only bought three tickets. We were on our second-to-last run, and he was standing directly next to the exit gate. I was just praying he'd move before we were done. But of course, no such luck. Our last go came and went, and I had no choice but to pull in next to him, unbuckle my seatbelt, and get out of my go-kart. I glanced over at Emma a few feet away, as I opened the exit gate to see if she was as scared as I was, but she didn't seem to notice, as she bounced over and bragged about how she had beat me the last two times. I was barely listening. I opened the gate, and the guy stepped in front of me just as I was leaving. Hey there, he said. His voice was dry, and he smelled of cigarettes. What are you cute girls doing all alone here? My eyes darted over to Emma, who was looking at the dude with both confusion and annoyance. Ah, uh, what? she said, pushing past the gate so she stood beside me. It's so late. His tone was as hungry as his eyes, and he reminded me of a snake. Do your parents know you're out? Yes, I answered quickly. They're waiting for us, actually. We need to get going. This was a lie, and probably sounded like it from my tone, but I tried to push past him anyway. It didn't work. He grabbed my shoulder to keep me in front of him. Nonsense. I saw you girls pull up alone. My heart dropped to my stomach. He had? Are you heading out? Why don't I walk you to your car? He starts inching towards me, and I look to Emma for help. With one swift movement, she pulled me halfway behind her and started sizing the guy up. This was pretty dumb as we're both small, and though she's a few inches taller than me, neither of us are anywhere near his size. This guy clears 6'2", easy, but she doesn't seem to care. Actually, we're just headed to the arcade, she says harshly. Her boyfriend is going to meet us here. I did have a boyfriend at the time, but he wasn't coming. He wasn't even in town. I knew she knew this. The guy's face immediately changes. His smile disappeared, and he was now glaring down at me with a look of annoyance in his eyes. I felt myself start to cower. Boyfriend, he says roughly. Emma didn't give me time to say anything. She grabbed my arm and tugged me behind her into the arcade. The boys from before had already left, and the usual girl who worked in there was nowhere to be found. Still, it felt safer than outside. We ran to the back and hid behind the claw machine. What the hell do we do? I left my phone in my car, I whisper shouted. There was no way I was going out there alone and the pothead go-kart guy had already disappeared into the small ticket shack. I don't have mine either. I left it charging, she said, face-palming. We're just going to have to make a run for it. Are you crazy? He's probably waiting for us in the parking lot. What about the guy who runs the go-karts? We could get him to walk us out, she said. I just shook my head. He's as high as Mount Everest right now. I don't want to risk running all the way to the ticket stand for nothing. Then we have no choice. She stood up, pulling me with her. Let's go. I swallowed hard, wanting to cry. I had never been that scared before. There was something so wrong about that guy. We made our way out of the arcade, looking around to see if he's nearby. 
the park was now absolutely deserted. Emma practically had to drag me to the exit, and I was looking in every direction, every second, waiting for the guy to come out of the woods, or something, and pounce on us at any second. But he didn't. Everything was still. Get your keys out, Emma instructed, and I pulled them from my pocket. We were about twenty feet from my car when I stopped, dead in my tracks. What? she whispered. I stared at the car, keys in hand. I had never locked it. I never locked the car, Emma. What? I didn't lock it. What if... I trailed off, but she knew what I was saying. She started inching towards the car, and I grabbed her arm to stop her, but she pulled away. I'm just going to peek. If I say run, you run. Her voice is quiet. I nodded shakily. She eventually made it close enough to see inside, but by the way she was squinting, I knew it was too dark to make anything out. My heart was beating out of my chest. What if he's in there? What if he jumps out? Or what if we get in and he asphyxiates me like in the movies? All these thoughts almost drown out the unmistakable sound of shoes slamming against the pavement. My head whipped around instantly and there he was, sprinting at us at full speed out of the woods. I screamed bloody murder and broke for the car, jiggling the handle as I realized I had locked it. Emma was already on the other side, screaming at me to unlock it. I fumbled with the keys but managed not to drop them as I unlocked the door, flung it open, and practically threw myself inside. I just managed to close the door when he was there, slamming his fists against the window and shouting incoherently. I was sobbing at this point and barely managed to lock the doors as he goes for the handle and yanks on it as hard as he can. Emma was screaming at me to go, and through my tears, I shoved the key into the ignition and flew into reverse. He was still chasing us and yelling as I veered backwards out of the lot and turned as fast as I could while slamming on the gas. I was driving like I was still in a go-kart, but I didn't care. I could barely see the road through the flood of tears, and Emma had to grab the wheel several times to keep us from crashing before I regained some composure. Though obviously shaken up, she'd managed to keep her tears in and be the sane one out of the two of us as we drove at least 30 miles over the speed limit the whole way back to my house. We didn't tell either of our parents about this, and looking back I wish we had, because there was something seriously wrong with that guy, but we were too scared of what they might say or do. I think we thought they'd blame us somehow, so it stayed a secret between us, something even we didn't talk about until months after the horrifying encounter. Safe to say we never went back to Miller's Fun Park after that. I urge you all to be extremely careful when going out at night. So, I'm a 20-year-old female, and this probably happened when I was 15. Growing up, I visited my father and stepmother every summer for about a month. One evening while I was visiting, my stepmom and I went for a walk around their neighborhood. The walk started out completely normal, until it wasn't. As we were walking past these two houses whose backyards were viewable, we spotted something so strange happening between them that we stopped dead in our tracks. 
For like twenty seconds we stood in silence, trying to decipher what our eyes were seeing. Keep in mind the sun was setting, so it was kind of dark. First, we see a dog in one of the yards. It was standing right at the fence line and peering into the neighboring yard. The fences were those metal ones that you can see through. Then we see the thing the dog was looking at. In the other yard, crouched low to the ground was, at first glance, this unidentifiable mass. Was it another dog? No. A child playing outside? No. It was a completely naked man on all fours, crouched on the ground and crawling. He slowly crawled towards this dog in the most disturbing, disgusting way I have ever seen a human move. Behind him were his clothes, perfectly folded in a pile, waiting to be put back on. My stepmom and I couldn't form words as we watched this man approach this confused dog. When he reached the fence line where the dog stood, he then proceeded to shove his face into the fence to what appeared to be him greeting the dog. After my stepmom and I fully realized what we were seeing, we turned around and speed-walked back home to tell my father, who is a cop. He didn't believe us one bit. My stepmom and I tend to make anything we experience together twenty times more dramatic, but he eventually bought our very real account and called it in. We later found out that this creep is known for breaking into people's yards, stripping naked, and playing with their pets. My stepmom still feels bad about young me seeing that, but I think it's a funny way to see your first nude man. This is an old story from when I was 20, and it's most of the reason why I hate catching buses now. I live in a sleepy little city in Australia with friggin' horrible public transport. Most buses will go into town, but a place that is a 10-minute drive north of me might be 40 minutes on the bus, because I have to take the bus into the city and out again to get there. There's nothing that goes in the space in between. It's like a spider's web. There's a lot of connections, but even more gaps, if that makes sense. I've been busing most of my life since I was seven. It's pretty safe here, so I was always comfortable catching the bus at night, I lived a three-minute walk away from the closest bus stop on a well-lit street, so... Even if there was trouble, it was easy enough to dash home if I was nervous. I know this seems like a lot of preamble, but bear with me. It's kind of important, I think. In October of 2017, I went to a job interview in a part of town I wasn't all that familiar with, and decided to visit a friend afterwards, because she lived a bit further up that same bus route. I'd never been to her house before. The job was maybe five minutes north by bus out of the CBD, but this friend's house was a good 15 to 20. I watched all my landmarks melt away and ended up somewhere a lot more industrialized than what I was used to. My friend lived in a share house and the rent was cheap, even if the neighborhood was crap, and that was the compromise she made. No judgment. It was maybe 11 p.m. or so when I decided to head home. I stupidly hadn't checked the bus situation back to mine before I left, and I figured it would be the same as how I got there, into the city and out again. But where I live, a lot of buses stop running after 11 p.m. at night, and the bus I wanted to get on was one of them. Where I live, even now, most buses don't run past midnight. 
even on weekends. No big deal, I thought. There was another bus. It'd be fine. The only problem was this bus was going the wrong way. This bus was going even further out of town, further into this shady, horrible, unfamiliar neighborhood. It went right up to the interchange, where a bunch of different buses would meet in a hub before taking off again, in the sketchy part of the suburbs, and from there I could catch a bus home. Uber was expensive, and I was broke, so I just shrugged and decided that is what I'd do, so I hopped on the bus. Honestly, it was fine at first, a bit spooky because I didn't know where I was to be exact, and it was dark and late but I knew the second I was in more familiar territory, I'd be fine. So I put in my headphones and just let it all pass by. About six stops away from the interchange, an old guy gets on. He was 40 going on 80. He had a tangled, matted beard and skin so thin, I thought his bones would tear through it at any second. His clothes were hanging off of him, and I honestly didn't know what color they were, they were so dirty. But like I said, I didn't know this part of town, and you get all sorts on the late bus. I didn't want to assume things. My first clue that something was up was that he didn't pay. The driver was tired and didn't say much, so I rolled my eyes a little and went back to my phone. The next thing was the mumbling. I thought my music was playing up, but when I looked up, the guy was just staring in front of himself, mumbling, eyes hard as pavement. There were a couple other people on the bus, all looking as nervous as I felt, but I figured he was just out of it, and homeless. I felt bad for him more than anything. And ten minutes later, we pulled up at the interchange, and I hopped off to grab my connecting bus, and decided to not think any more about it. It was weird, but whatever, you know? I was twenty, I had other things on my mind. Then this creepy guy got on the bus with me. I'd settled about halfway back, and I was queuing up more music when I saw him get on. I kind of froze at first, but I figured it was coincidence. Besides, there were a couple other people on the bus, so I felt pretty safe. Then one by one, all these people got off the bus, and it was just him and me left. At this point it was nearing midnight. It was dark as pitch, and I know the bus route I was on pretty well, but not that part of it. Just after the interchange. I started texting my boyfriend because his house was on the route and it was closer than mine was. The guy on the bus was still mumbling, but when I looked up, it was at me. I watched, frozen, as he slowly got up and moved closer to my seat. I still couldn't make out what he was saying, but it was to me. I know he was talking to me. Now, Cthulhu, you might be wondering, why the hell didn't you just move? Great question. In my head, I didn't want to draw attention to myself, I know right, by moving. I thought of him like he was a T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Maybe if I stayed still, he wouldn't see me, but he'd already seen me. I could feel his eyes on me, like he'd taken a hand and pressed it to my neck. His stare felt so heavy. My boyfriend had me share my location for safety. I turned off my music so I could focus better. I know, right? And look at the map to get my bearings. I knew I was about 15 minutes from my house, 10 from my boyfriend's. He lived a 30-second walk from the bus stop in a share house that was never locked because there were always people over. Yeah, it was a drug den, 
I know, I was 20 and stupid, okay? He was at a birthday an hour away, so he wasn't home, but he said I could get off early and go to his if I was scared. But it was no big deal, I told myself. I was close to my house. This creepy guy would leave me alone soon. I didn't need to hide behind my boyfriend's friends to feel safe. I was a strong, independent, dumb-as-anything woman. The stranger was creepy, but I told myself he was harmless. No point freaking out over nothing. And then he moved again. He moved so he was right behind me. I could feel his breath on my neck in small puffs as he mumbled. I still couldn't hear the words, but he leaned forward, and I stopped texting my boyfriend, because when it's time to fight or run, I freeze instead. Thanks, lizard brain, for letting me down there. That ten minutes felt like ten hours. I felt like I held my breath the whole way as that guy leaned closer, whispering, mumbling. I didn't catch a word of what he said, but I would swear to all the angels that I could feel it against my neck. My skin was doing its best to slither off my skeleton, and I stared, dead-eyed, at my phone, watching my location and taking in the street names because... I decided that I wasn't waiting to get to my stop. I was getting off at my boyfriend's and legging it. So that's what I did. I sprinted off that bus, and I ran into his house and slammed the door behind me, not even checking to see if he followed me off. To my horror, my boyfriend's house, for the first time that year, was empty. His tiny dog was barking her head off, and I was crying as I texted my boyfriend asking where everyone was. Why tonight was the night the house was empty? Why the door was so impossible to lock? And when I finally got it closed, my boyfriend's dog was still barking, barking, barking. I sat in the hall for a while, listening for the swing of the gate. If I heard it creak, I told myself, I would call the police. After a few minutes, I got up and went to my boyfriend's room to wait. The whole time, this dog is still barking. But not her, someone is home bark. She was doing her, I'm trying to be menacing because I do not like this, bark and growl. The kind that shot her whole body forward. So I lifted up my boyfriend's blinds and I peeked. For a second. There in the middle of the road, in a pool of cold streetlight, someone was standing and looking at the house. At that distance, I couldn't see them, and I don't think they could see me so I don't know for sure if it was the same man, but I don't know. As I stared at him in the back of my mind, I heard those whispers I heard on the bus. My boyfriend got back about 20 minutes later, and there was no one on the street then, but I still cried a lot. This incident happened to me over the Christmas holidays this past year, and it just occurred to me that the sheer insanity of it may make it a good fit for this sub. For reference, I'm a 24-year-old female. My cousin and I decided to go up a few hours north for a nice winter cabin weekend. It went great, nothing creepy at all. On our final day, we packed up at 6am and hopped in the car to get an early start on the 5-hour drive we had ahead of us. It was a foggy morning, not actively snowing, but previous snowfalls had piled up quite a bit, making the drive a little risky in the dark early hours of the morning. My cousin was driving, and we were chatting and listening to podcasts, not too aware of our surroundings, 
We were about 20 minutes into the drive when, unfortunately, the car skidded off the road a little. Damn you, black ice. And we slightly grazed a tree. We got out to take a look, and by some miracle there was no damage or anything to the car. As my cousin and I started to laugh with relief, we were just thanking our luck. I shield my eyes because of some idiot with their high beams coming up behind us. So obnoxious, my cousin laughed, starting to open her door and step back in when the blinding headlights return. The car honks and continues to keep at it as they approach us. My cousin and I looked at each other, super confused, but quickly hopped back in the car. The car begins to slow down and we're able to see a man in the driver's seat and he finally takes his hand off his horn and pulls up right next to my cousin's car, which is really dumb because we were off-road and it was crazy slippery. He rolls down his window and motions for my cousin to roll down ours. We figure it's fine because he's still inside his car and we are in ours. I know, probably still a stupid move. Hey ladies, in a rush this morning? He laughs. Um, not really, just trying to get home. Can we help you with something? My cousin replies. Totally stone-cold poker face. Oh no, I just noticed you dropped something about two kilometers back. It fell out of your trunk. My cousin turned to look at me. Did you shut the trunk when we left? Yeah, dude, obviously. I replied. And knowing the way the car is shaped, we would have seen and definitely heard an open trunk. No thanks, sir, I think you might have us mixed up with someone else. My cousin said and immediately rolled up her window. This man just gave off bad vibes. He starts blaring his horn again and motioning for us to roll down the window. My cousin rolls it down again, and sees him holding up some woman's underwear and smiling. See? This looks familiar. I can literally remember the exact tone with which he said that. No thanks, sir. You have a great day now. My cousin quickly rolled up her window again and floored it quickly hopping back on the road and thankfully the man was either taken aback or just gave up and we didn't see him for the next hour or so. My cousin and I were both a little shaken up but tried to laugh it off since we were safe and hadn't seen his car follow us or anything. About two hours into our trip we got off at an exit to fill up gas and grab some breakfast at a Starbucks. My cousin and I mobile ordered, and I was going to quickly run in to grab our food and drinks. It had started snowing at this point, and while the sun had been up for a little bit, it was still foggy and gloomy, making it hard to see the surroundings. I ran in, and as I reached for our food, someone's arm reached over to grab a napkin, and I instantly flinched back. When I looked up, I truly almost shat myself. It was the same man. Despite him never getting out of the car, he did have his lights on, and I was able to get a clear view of his face. It was him. I was sure. Look at us, just like old friends, he smiled at me. I immediately looked down, grabbed my food, and started walking out of the store. As I left, I heard him talking to the barista, saying, See that beauty queen? That's my beauty queen. What the hell? I almost had tears in my eyes because I was so terrified. I power walked back to the car, almost tripping outside because I was so scared, and not walking like a normal person. I hopped in and screamed, We need to get the hell back on the road! He's inside the Starbucks! My cousin started laughing, thinking I was pranking her, 
but she quickly realized that was not the case when the man walked out of the Starbucks a few seconds later, with no drink or food in hand, walking straight towards our car, waving at us. My cousin quickly started to turn the car on. When the man reached into his pocket, I genuinely thought he would pull out a weapon, holding up the underwear he had before. Thankfully, my cousin took no time in backing out of there and speeding back onto the highway. We both were freaking out at this point, not sure how he ended up at the same stop as us, despite us not seeing him behind us at all. He could have taken some sort of back roads we didn't know about, but it would have taken him much longer than us to get there. Unless he was trailing behind? I don't know. We quickly tried to find an alternate route on our Maps app, and thankfully there was one that made us go through some local roads which we hoped might help. Of course, with our luck, as we were going through a smaller town, I felt the car getting gradually lower on my side. We pulled over at a well-lit gas station and realized we were losing air in one of our tires. We were both too scared to get out, but figured if we went out together, it might be less scary. So we did. We filled up the tire with some air, and it seemed okay. We got back in the car, back on our way. Everything seemed fine until ten minutes later when this car seemed to appear out of nowhere, directly behind us. My cousin and I looked at each other, having no idea what to do if it were the man. Our suspicions were confirmed, when he blared his stupid horn yet again, then quickly swerved off the road to get right next to us, so this time he was on my side. He had his window rolled down and was screaming at us. At this point, I gave zero craps and called my brother-in-law, who's a cop, I know I should have called the police directly. It was a stupid move. But in the moment, I was trying to justify this as being not that serious. My brother-in-law told us to drive directly to the nearest police station and to call them right away so they would be alert. Literally, as he was instructing me, the creep braked his car, just stopped on the side of the snowy, icy road. We were still speeding away, so it quickly got harder and harder to see him. But from what I could make out, he had gotten out of his car and was sitting on the hood. Just sitting on the hood of his car in freezing snowy weather. My cousin and I did not want to stop or do anything with about an hour left in our journey. We decided to just book it straight home. And thankfully, that was the end of that. I know we made a lot of stupid mistakes that could have potentially had horrible consequences. But I'm super happy we made it out alive and unharmed. I still don't know how he caught up to us seemingly magically, and why he just sat there at the end. But I don't even want to find out at this point.